Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Well, I don't want to like stall with the jibber jabber at the beginning here because uh, I want to get to my guest because this is a guy that everyone I think in this city knows his work because A, he's great at it. B, so great, I think that he is the best in the entire country at it. And, you know, I'm not paid to say that, but I could be. Um, he is the editorial cartoonist of the Hamilton Spectator. His name is Graham McKay, who's in studio now. Graham, how are you? It's very good to be here, Scott. In the flesh. It's, I, yeah, wow, it's been a it's long been time. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. Well, you know, we're just getting back to doing this in-studio stuff again and not doing it on the phone or by Zoom or, mm-hmm. but you know what? I mean, thank goodness for the technology that we had. Thank goodness. And I was fully prepared to do what we always do and sit at home on my bed and talk to you. But <laughs> I, I thought when you emailed me today, will you come into the, the office? Well, sure, I'll come in the okay, office. Okay, so true. Have you ever been like clipping your toenails while doing an interview on the uh, radio? I'm not going to reveal that information, <laughs> but I, I might have had a can of something, but I don't know what I was doing with my body or anything. Uh, what were you doing, by the way, on uh, Monday evening? Were you? Did you happen to be in Toronto Monday night at any time? This sounds like a, a committee hearing kind of question. Well, it's kind of a police inquiry at this point. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm wondering, uh, did you hear this story about this, uh, the heist, the gold oh, heist? Oh, yes, yes, yes. The, oh, oh, oh. I sh- yeah, no, I don't know anything about it. No, no. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, that's right. Yes. Where were you on Monday? <laughs> this is one of the, like, this is a story that is a Hollywood movie Absolutely. by the sounds of it, more than a true story. Yeah. Yeah. It, anytime you hear a news story that involves the word heist, you know, a large amount of something was taken because when, when do we ever use the word heist and it's not a movie? Right. A Goodfellas comes to mind. I just saw that in the big JFK. Or heist. Ocean's Eleven. Or Ocean's Eleven. Or the Italian job. But oh, those are heists. Oh, you know, yeah. anything else is a robbery or a <laughs> break. I, $20 million of gold was heisted. I don't know if that, I don't know if you can or use that in that absconded, uh, you know, was was stolen. This is an amazing story. I, I'm assuming people have heard this on the news, but I'm just I'm trying to picture this. So we, my wife and I, have you watched Breaking Bad? Yes. Okay. So my wife, for those who are listening, I, I've mentioned it a few times this week because it's just seemed to come up a couple times. But um, and again, if you're if you have not watched and plan to, just plug your ears for a second because there's a small spoiler here. But there's a scene in Breaking Bad where Walter White and uh, I can't remember if it was Jesse or someone else Jesse. go and steal a big tub of methylamine. <laughs> methylamine, whatever it's called. And I'm picturing almost that with this, like these, who can possibly pull off a heist at Toronto airport of a box or cargo container or something worth that will hold 20 million in gold? How do you get to, away? To know like that much gold is going through airports. I know that's the case in places like Heathrow in London, but I, I never would have thought that was the case in, at Pearson. Well, and you know, like, okay. And even if you're down in South Africa, you know, mm-hmm. like Rhodesia, you know, maybe yeah. we'll have diamonds coming through there or something, but you're right. But how do you just walk out of Pearson? How do you pull off and that's the beauty of this thing. How do you pull off a heist to get away with $20 million well, in gold? It had to gold? be an inside job, huh? You, well, you would think. <laughs> you would think. You would think. But, like, are there not video cameras everywhere? Oh, well, the Mission Impossible, you, they have ways dum, of, dum, of, yeah, dum, exactly. Dum, dum, there's dum, there's dum, lasers dum. and things they get around. <laughs> Tom Cruise was probably part of it. He could have been. Yeah, yeah. Where, where was it? Was Tom Cruise in Toronto on Monday? Someone should look into that. I just, I, I mean, and even if there were, this is the other part that's funny about this. Even if there were security cameras, uh-huh. chances are, if you've ever looked at the pictures they send out after they, you know, we've got this image from a video It'd camera. very grainy. <laughs> and, and this has been raised a couple of times. Like, how is it that we can send 
a rocket to Mars. <laughs> or not. And it lands on the surface of Mars and we get 4G crystal clear images. It's crazy. And we've got a security camera on the street corner. And honestly, it looks like it was from the dot matrix or the right. dot pixel right. com- printer. Or someone threw their coat on the, the camera lens. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's incredible. Yeah, I just, I, I can't wait to find out. I'm assuming they'll find the the people behind, I mean. Have they made any of the videos uh, public at all? Or I haven't seen any. Huh. But I, and again, I mean, maybe these are the greatest thieves in the world and maybe they will get away with it. And maybe there's no way to trace gold. Huh. I don't really know if there's a way that, you know, if it has a chemical. I, makeup that's different from other gold that someone who takes it could check it. I don't I'm know. I'm no chemist, but I, I would imagine the the police, the investigators are loving this story. Finally, they have like a, a good Hollywood kind of story to, to deal with. Well, I also wonder, I mean, where what pawn shop do you go to and go, <laughs> I got this like oh. box of $20 million of gold. Will you give me a hundred for it? <laughs> the pawn shop, Oliver Jewelers. Yeah. <laughs> no, Oliver Jewelers will not, will not buy this. I, I have no nope. doubt, but... Uh, we want your gold, just not this gold. <laughs> I, I just, I, how do you possibly unload $20 million in gold? Yeah. I mean, it, all, it has cereal marks and stuff on well, it. So you, it unless they're going to melt it. It would have to. You'd have to melt it somehow. Yeah. And how, how readily available are smelters for melting <laughs> gold? Like You go to Home Depot, do they have like a rent-a-smelter? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Among their other equipment, I'd like a chainsaw, I'd like a yeah. uh, hole digger and a smelter, please. <laughs> right. Is it someone doing it in their backyard, you know, yeah. late at night? Yeah, they're out there. They're, they're, they got a smoker going, <laughs> making beef jerky and oh, yeah. smelting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, just, the, and the one picture, I've got a website up here. Uh, this is actually from the BBC's website. And the one picture of the police officer who's holding the press conference about this. Mm-hmm. I know that I am, a, a, I am putting words in his mouth and thoughts in his head. This uh-huh. is not, but he just, it almost looks like, what the heck? Uh-huh. Like, it's almost like the look on his face of what the heck? Really? So he wasn't playing the Hollywood part where we're going to get think, these thieves, these no, scoundrels? I think they took the picture because it's, <laughs> it, it's a still picture from a video. So, I mean, oh. I, I'm, I'm quite positive that that's not what was going through his head. They just happened to get a shot at a moment that yeah. <laughs> you could sort of apply the thinking of what is going on. Oh. I oh. just, I just, if they can steal $20 million in gold, it's either, it's good news or it's bad news <laughs> for the rest of us because... Anybody's luggage mm-hmm. is fair game then. Yeah. Well, in, in Canada, normally it's what, maple syrup that gets stolen? Maple or, syrup. They had a know, heist. They had a big heist, right? 3,000 tons of maple syrup was stolen from a storage facility in Quebec. Right, right. Or it's, you know, packages of processed meat, wieners and stuff like that. <laughs> but, but again, I don't know. Uh, maybe it is. I, would they have the same security around a maple syrup storage facility in rural <laughs> Quebec as they would at the largest airport in Canada? They might now. Who knows? They might now. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. All, all maple syrup is guarded by AK-47s. <laughs> I just, uh, but yeah, going back, I mean, it, any one of our luggage now, I suppose is fair game if they can steal this. On the flip side, if you can steal $20 million in gold, who wants my soiled clothes that I've brought back from Vegas? Not soiled, I guess that's the wrong word. My dirty clothes that I brought, I don't soil my clothes. I, that's probably the wrong word. My dirty clothes that I'm bringing back from vacation. I mean, that's less exciting. I gotta, I gotta work on my, my language here. Now I, I, Maybe I'm doing something to you. Here. No, no, I've just, but I don't, I, I, it's been a long time since I soiled any clothes. <laughs> I hope so. 
Uh, and by the way, if you don't know Graham's work, uh, first of all, you should. You're you're one of the only people. You are one of the only people. You stand alone in your ignorance. So make sure you find Graham's work online or his book. Mm. You might be from Hamilton If. Yes. With a, it's a great book all about, you know, stereotypes of Hamiltonians. Fantastic <laughs> introduction, by the way. Yes. Uh, one of the by greatest. Yours truly. By Yeah, one of the greatest introductions ever written. Yes, thank so, you Or very something, much. yeah. Um, have you been... Uh, Walking or driving by any of the protesters, the, the the picketers? I have, the only walk I've had in the last week is to this station from my home. So uh, I didn't walk uh, across any picket lines or anything, but I've, I've seen them on TV. Yeah, and, and what do you, I mean, do you think, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, I just don't get, unions win or lose uh, strikes by public sympathy. Mm-hmm. You get the public on your side and pressure builds. Mm-hmm. I can't see how they can have the public sympathy mm. seeking 13 and a half, at least percent wage increases mm. in three years when so many other people have been suffering and are paying higher tax. Yeah. I just, I just, can you see how they can possibly win over? Well, isn't it? They, they're starting high and they'll, they'll meet some kind of midway point in between. But as for sympathy, I, 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 th- I think people are a little different now than they were maybe 20 years ago when it comes to uh, these the sort of um, actions. And we saw it with the teachers' strike uh, in Ontario. Well, there is a lot more sympathy and I, the government caved very quickly. So maybe there's a bit of that, that, that they're hoping that will play out. With the teacher strikes and they, they come up or, or threats of strikes, they come up. Parents don't want to be inconvenienced by having their no. kids at home, which tends for them to say government settle this, which mm-hmm. leads... In this case, if they don't get their passports mm-hmm. or they don't get their taxes, are they going to be mad at the government for not getting those things? Or are they going to be mad at the unions for slowing them down? Well, I think time will tell. I think, you know, this thing's only been going on for, what, three or four days. So I imagine, you know, they haven't even played on the public sympathy yet, as far as I know. Um, but that, I think, is going to be one of their cards that they're going to play. I know there is the issue with the um, Six Nations Reserve. You have um, Indigenous schools that are, the teachers are now off and the kids are at home. So you're going to get people pretty upset in Brantford. Um, if you get more of that happening, it's going to build across the country and you're going to have more sympathy probably with I, I, it's it's going to get a little a little a little tough to to figure out how how people's uh, minds are going to go. Let me ask you uh, what I think is a real is a question that no one ever wants to ask about, but I think it's a legitimate question. It's never going to amount to anything because no one's ever going to do anything. But should we even allow public sector unions? And, and I'll tell you why I asked that question because if you are the owner of Graham Mackay Industries and your workers go on strike, you have to decide how much of your money that you're making as the boss you're willing to give to them and how much they are going to mm-hmm. be willing to work for. But there's a, both of you have skin in that game. Mm-hmm. With a union, a public sector union, the government, it's not the government, it's the government, it's not their money. No. All they take is more taxpayers' money to settle this. They they have no skin in the game in this negotiation. Now the workers do. Except they have a continuous pot full of money in which they can feed these, these workers. And keep right? adding more keep to the pot. I, the same is not true with a lot of private sector. Of course it's not. I, I don't have to go into our own sector, the newspaper industry, but it's in far dire straits. And, you know, we, we're going to have to make accommodations of federal workers. They've got this unending pot full of money that they can but dip that's, into. But that's a question I've always, I've, it's always troubled me that uh, the only way a strike 
can possibly work in an equitable way is if both sides have something to gain and something to lose through this. Mm-hmm. The government, the only thing they want to do is get reelected and not inconvenience right. the public too much. And how do we do that? Well, we eventually give in, which is why public sector wages and benefits and everything mm-hmm. have far surpassed private sector in many areas right. now. I guess it's, it's, it's a little bit tricky because it's a coalition government. You got the NDP and their big uh, union people or, or proponents. So who knows what's going to happen there. But um, I, I guess what, what's going to happen is you're, will it come to legislating them back to work? Who knows? No. How long will that go? That'll like, never happen because because the, the liberals know that if they were to do that, that might be the one thing that would get Jagmeet Singh to mm-hmm. n- not support this right. government. That might be the one thing, yeah. maybe. It just de- it depends on how stubborn the union is going to be, I guess. And uh, Time will tell, but if this thing drags on for, you know, several weeks, you're going to agitate a lot of people. And uh, I, I think the union will lose a lot of support. Right now, I think it's not really inconveniencing a lot of people other than some some small segments of the population. But, you know, who, who knows? It'll be interesting to see what happens because one of the groups that's out is the people who work doing your taxes. Yeah. And, <clears throat> excuse me, if all of a sudden you don't get your tax refund. Mm-hmm. Who are the people mad at who don't get their tax refund? Is it the government or is it the workers who are out there? Right. And if you are, if you have to get a passport to go to a wedding and you can't get your passport, who mm-hmm. do they end up being mad at? The workers or the government? That mm-hmm. I don't I, I don't know the answer to that question right now. Well, I, I, well, I don't think we ever with, do. With any. regards to the, um, the the taxes, I, mean, I think a lot of people are hoping you know that you got some laggards who haven't done their taxes and they're thinking, oh, we'll get next. Next. Hand, hand up. What, what do you think is happening late tonight? <laughs> it is a terrible sort of thing that we have to do. I got mine in, but um, I'm sure there's a lot of people that, that, that leave it right until, what, April 30th. Hand is up again. Hand is up again. But yeah. last year we had an extension right into May. So I, I guess a lot of people are assuming that's what's going to happen again. You know, it's a, we're still kind of in the pandemic, right? But it they is, tell us that it's not going to happen. So but, You know, one of the things that we, maybe we should talk a little more about this after all, we'll see. But one of the things that's going to be really interesting. They're saying you still have to have your taxes in on time, mm-hmm. regardless of the strike. You have to submit your taxes, but you, if you get a re- refund, don't expect you're going to get your refund no. back on time. So how is it that we have to do what we're supposed to do? And yet there's like, unless they're going to later on say, oh, and, and with interest, you'll get paid back, which <laughs> you know, that's not happening. <laughs> well, if you do have a refund coming on, I, I, I sound like a CRA agent, you don't actually have to get it in by the deadline. I understand. <laughs> but for most people, I, I think many people don't really know if they've got a, right. some do, well, some, but a lot of people, it's a mystery and you just, you're, you're using the quick tax or something and watching the number in the corner of the screen that goes up or goes down. It's like, oh, I got to re, oh, oh. Yeah. you know, I think yeah. a lot a lot of people don't really know, and so they just want to do it anyway. But it's, yeah. it is interesting that we have to do what we're supposed to do, or we're going to break the law. Mm-hmm. But if they don't get our refund to us, well, well, hey, them's the breaks. The passport thing will be an issue too, because we're, we'll be coming up on holiday time and stuff like that. But the other thing compounding it is security. I think they're also on on strike as well at, at airports, or they're or at least at border crossings. Yep. The, um, so that's. I don't know. I haven't gotten any reports at what it's like at the Peace Bridge or anything like that or at the airports, yeah. but I imagine. Well, yeah. I've talked about this on the show a couple of times that in the last couple of years, in the last year or so, I've flown a couple of times and it was miserable really? then. <laughs> the airports were just so working so poorly. Pearson especially was working so poorly. I can't imagine mm. if you now have another layer of yeah. 
stuff to have to work through. I mean, a good good luck. If, if you're taking an international flight, you know, they used to say uh, show up three hours, but you may oh, have yeah. to show up three days before now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I went to London last year and we showed up six hours, but that was to get to the, the bar and have our, our fun time. <laughs> I don't know. There, people are going to be setting up homeless encampments <laughs> in the departures lounge <laughs> just because we're going to have to be there so early. Bring a tent, bring some food, <laughs> bring a small heater, portable heater, and you're good to go. Yeah. Um, so Twitter, uh, in the last day or two, 40 hours, whatever it is, has gone through as Elon Musk said he was going to do and got rid of all these little blue, yes. you have to pay now for yeah. your, and I got to tell you, Graham, I don't understand this. There are so many celebrities, especially, and politicians who are whining so vigorously about their blue check mark going, and I'm not going to pay it. These are people making millions of dollars a year and they won't pay $8 for their- $8? I think, I think it's, it's eight a month or something. Oh. Anyway, whatever it is, it, but some like minuscule amount. Uh-huh. I mean, it's a small enough, I don't, I've never had one of those no, check marks, so it doesn't make any difference to me, but I mean, it's a small enough amount that you and I and almost everyone listening mm-hmm. would be able to pay it. Mm-hmm. And yet these- wealthy, rich politicians, celebrities, what's the, I mean, are they that cheap with their own money or is it something else? Well, I think it can't, comes out, those ticks were handed out. In fact, I remember at the Hamlin Spectator, there was some guy from Twitter that came by and if you showed up at the seminar, I didn't because I was working. <laughs> but if you had showed up at that meeting, everyone got a, a tick. Really? And okay. so- all those people that went, uh, and, and up till last week, a lot of the, our colleagues had a tick next to their, their name, but they're all gone now. And I think there was a bit of honor that was bestowed on people whenever there was they had a bit that. of an ego boost, a little bit of an ego boost. A lot of these people have had, had these ticks there for what, five, six, seven years. So, you know, to have that metal taken away from them is like a, but why whine about it? And why say, oh, I'm not using Twitter anymore because my t- my blue check well, mark is gone, so I'm out of here. You're free to go. And people say some of them have gone, but I bet you a lot of them will just stay. It's or they will have, like, addiction. what do you call it, ghost accounts or burner accounts or whatever <laughs> it is where they'll, you know, they'll come up with something else so they can linger around. They lurk, yeah. Yeah, lurk around. I just, like, I truly, I don't, I, I just don't get why a blue check mark would matter status. to anybody. It's a status, like an... Order of Canada, but it's on social media, I, I guess. Yeah, but if, okay, and if someone said, you can have an Order of Canada if you pay $8 a month, <laughs> we may be getting to that to help pay off the Maybe. debt at some point, but uh, I mean, what, and then they said, I'm sorry, you can't have your Order of Canada anymore. You got to pay 15 bucks a month or whatever it is. I mean, it's not, it's no longer free. You now have it's to, I mean, okay, let me back up. Imagine Martin Short, he must have the Order of Canada. I'm just throwing out a name. Sure. I don't know. Let's say Martin Short. He's yeah. got to have it. If he doesn't, what's, what's wrong with you people at the Order of Canada? Anyway, <laughs> if they me. said to Martin Short, we've given you the Order of Canada now to maintain it, <laughs> you need to pay us $8 a month. Yeah. Do bit. you not think Martin Short would say, okay, that's fine. I'll pay $8 a month. No, it'd be a bit of a slap of the face, wouldn't it? You know, you're paying for this merit, this honor. When yeah. it was bestowed upon you by, in the case of Twitter, by the previous ownership of, of Twitter. Now it's being taken away. It's But if you, if, if the Order of Canada people said, and this is to pay for our staff who look after all this and maintain the mm-hmm. Order of Canada facility, mm-hmm. which I don't think exists, but whatever, <laughs> the website. Again, like if there was something there, so... Like something charitable, like you are helping bring down the deficit or you are helping to 
all your military. money, you're, all your money, you're helping going, a commitment in NATO. Yes, all your money is going to Sarah McLaughlin's <laughs> sad dogs. Okay, in, to culture, <laughs> yes, or the CBC. How about that? Well, yeah, it's. I, I just, I, I, as I say, all day today, I've been seeing these people just making such a fuss about this, and it's like, get over yourselves. I think people put too much stock into their social media because, well. Everywhere you go, people are looking in their phones. Everyone's addicted. So that little tick thing is just an added little piece of, of icing on the cake, right? But do you believe that we are truly, and maybe we are, so shallow as people that a blue check mark bestows that much gravitas on our life? Apparently. That to not have it hurts us? Because it, like, it looks like it's hurting some people to not have this anymore. Which was, which again, the amazing part was, this was free. Yep. You were given something for free. Actually, you know, now that I say it, I realize this is every single government program. <laughs> we'll give you something and say it's free, but if we didn't was, have to pay anything it for it. was a socialized form of um, meritocracy, I guess, on Twitter that uh, Elon had to monetize. Yeah, and, I just I just don't but, get um, it. You know, interestingly, uh, there is a whole um, public broadcaster thing that was also – brought up last week. So how how long will this whole thing even go on for? Maybe he'll bring back some ticks for some people. I imagine that's, I think if you're a leader of a country, you maintain some kind of special tick. Mm. Or if you're, if you're a member of parliament or something like that, I think, I think there's knows? some different shade of, of tick that you can put <laughs> behind your name. But, uh, you know, I, I actually know someone who, who now pays for that service. And I think, wow. You know, this was something that he purchased when everyone else had their ticks, but all of a sudden he's he's now on Twitter with one of the few ticks on there. So he looks like a bit of a clown because he actually pays for the service. Well, and so that's the next thing is so it, it under the circumstances, knowing now that everyone's whining about not having a blue check mark, if you still have a blue check mark, are you are you a reasonable human being because, hey, I'm paying for a service and people pay for services? Or do you look at it and you go... You're filling the, the coffers of Elon Musk. Well, I don't know. If that, or, or you're somehow so desperate for approval that you will pay for a little blue check mark. I'm not sure if I think that you are a hero for actually paying for what you're getting. Um, or if you're not a hero because you just need that reinforcement somehow. Uh, it obviously matters a lot to people who are purchasing it. More so than the people who aren't, but might have had their tick taken off. So I think the people who are bellyaching will go quiet finally, but those who have the tick will become known as, I, I think they'll take on a different kind of um, reputation, I guess, as a suck up to Elon. Maybe. I mean, so does this then become, so does the blue check mark become the new red it, baseball cap? It, it might. I'm thinking it will. I, I did a, like a little, I perused to see, like, apparently Trump doesn't have one. He doesn't have a tick. Um, but there are leading members of uh, the conservative media that have retained their tick or they, they have purchased a tick. So I'm scrolling through right now, just as we're talking, and there's a reporter, a TV reporter from... Philadelphia, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, he's got a check mark. I'm going like I, I only mentioned him because I haven't found a lot of others yet. I'm going through, and there's just like there's nobody that's got a check. So apparently, though, um, and this has caused a bit of a scandal. LeBron James has a tick, 
And I guess Musk has tried to like convince people, oh, yeah, LeBron is all for this. But actually, LeBron James uh, says he his company or his people did not purchase a tick. So it's being used to so now, promote. So now there's a tick denial. Tick denial. Exactly. Th- this whole thing just is. <laughs> it just reeks. <laughs> you know, I, it, it, it does make me laugh a little the, the, that some of the people are so outraged of, that Elon Musk has made changes to Twitter, mm-hmm. but we're totally fine. So, so they're saying now it's a little too right wing. Mm-hmm. But they were totally fine when, when it was, was progressive. Pro, when it was progressive. So it wasn't political when it supported my view. Yeah. But now that it's the other way, it's very political, yeah. and I don't want on it. It's it it sucks up so much time, Twitter. Quite frankly, yes, and when it you does. think what only one in four Canadians actually use Twitter, um, like from last week with the whole public broadcasting thing to this tick thing, and that we're discussing it, uh, it's kind of crazy uh, how how much of a time vacuum this thing is. I have. Uh, I have made a, a and we got to go here. I have made a um, life decision in the last month or two, which was uh, oftentimes when I would wake up in the morning, I would, before I get out of bed, just for a little while, grab my phone. And mm-hmm. I have endeavored to not look on Twitter or any social media mm. before I get to start working at least. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of have to for work in some cases, but to at least not begin my day being already irate before I even get out of bed <laughs> because there's always something, I mean, it's just, there's always someone who's going to post something that's just going to get under your craw and yeah. make you angry. There's a lot of fun, but there's a lot of stress and, um, it just makes you angry. So I, I've certainly scaled back on my Twitter use. I, I only post promotions to my cartoons. I don't really engage with anyone anymore. I, I would say 95% of what I do is work related on Twitter as yeah. well. And, and the other thing about Twitter that I've now realized is if you're sometimes, especially on your phone, if you're scrolling, Mm -hmm. you can, and I've done this twice, I think by accident and caught it as you're scrolling. If your thumb hits the wrong spot, you could end up hitting the little heart button to say you like something that you don't even know you've liked. And one of these days and you know. Or you know what you're going to do? You're going to hit that little tick thing on someone's uh, uh, profile and then you're going to find you've just purchased a tick for yourself. Either that and or you've <laughs> just supported like someone who is, uh, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Edie Amine, <laughs> you know, yeah, heart, you know, by accident. And it's like, what? Like, I don't even yeah. know. I truly don't know <laughs> how 90% of the things on my feed uh, get on my feed. No. Because I don't go looking for stuff. Yeah. It just... All of a sudden, this is, this is the strangest one. All of a sudden in the last two or three weeks, I have this tw- Twitter thing, account that keeps showing up of just kids fighting. Mm. Th- like people on the street, people in class, people are just like fights breaking out. It's like, I never once You're looked a violent up, person. I obviously. never once looked up violence or fighting or anything. The algorithm has determined that yeah. you like to watch fight scenes. Somehow the algorithm has decided that I need to watch kids in high school punching each other in the face. And it's like, how did I get here? I have no idea. But that's, you know, yeah, that's, it's... that's why now I am not looking it up in the morning. I don't need this in my life. Speaking of of social media, I saw a post. I don't know if it was a current post, but I saw a post, I think on Facebook uh-huh. of you've now added Charles to yes. the, all the drawings of all the Kings of England. And yeah, Queens. I, I wouldn't say I'm a monarchist, but I certainly dig British history. And I, th- I, I love all that history that goes along with the British monarchy. I wouldn't say I'm, I'm going to bow to like the, the King Charles the third. I think he's, he'll be a fine King, but I'm not, I'm not getting gushy over him. 
So the one question that has come out of one of the questions that has come along in recent days and months since uh, the Queen's passing and Charles taking over as King is uh, traditionally for 70 years, we had the Queen's face on our currency bills and most bills, some bills and our, our coins. And there's a question about, should we put King Charles face on our currency? And I think it's Australia. They've decided they voted not to do it. Mm -hmm. Should we do it? Well, who uses money anymore? That's the other thing, right? Um, and in in recent years, we've been getting rid of our monarchs and our prime ministers anyway. I, Viola um, Desmond. Desmond is on the 10, I think. She got rid of uh, Sir John MacDonald. Uh, Laurier is on the 5. They haven't gotten rid of him yet, but I'm pretty sure they will. Well, didn't they talk about this? Wasn't the 5 supposed to be replaced? By a coin. Well, no, the five was supposed to be replaced by another face on there and there was a, a yeah. vote. And as I recall, Terry Fox was the run, pardon the pun, the runaway winner. <laughs> and yet that sort of just went away. And a lot of people wondered whatever happened to that. Uh -huh. Was Terry Fox not, hmm. not. He's too political. male, maybe well, too maybe male. too male or too white. Although how in the world, how, how in the world could you possibly bring that up when you're talking about Terry Fox, yeah. all right? If yeah. you want to talk about it with someone else. Yeah. But how could you possibly even raise those things with Terry Fox? He's Terry yeah. Fox. But yeah. Anyway, um, but I thought that the five was supposed to be redone. Mm -hmm. But okay, so on, let's let's just go with coins, toonies, loonies. Mm -hmm. If we have a sinky, would that be the five? <laughs> I don't know what you're going to call it, but he's talking about it. Um, should we have King Charles face on our coins? Well, I think historically that's what it's always been, right? I, I, they haven't broken the, the tradition yet. Um, and who would that person be? I mean, would it not have to go on all the coins or would they do? Well, I'm sure our prime minister would volunteer to have his face. <laughs> No be put doubt. on there with, with different background scenes, you know, right. the, the Aga Khan's Island could yes, be the background yes. of one. I'd be happy to design the, uh, the profile picture yes, too. The London $6,000 hotel room could be the background in yes. another one. Yes. The Jamaica Tofino Island. could yeah, be Tofino. in one. Yeah. 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 We could do, you know, that could be interesting. A sun, a big giant sun for sunny ways. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I, I think, um, I, I think around the world, like, I think we're going to look to Britain. Britain's already decided they're going to use um, Charles III on their coin. I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if we go the same way. I'm, I'm, I, as I've said many, many times in the show, I'm not a monarchist, nor am I an anti-monarchist. I'm mm -hmm. a monarchist agnostic. I'm fine with it. I'm fine without. Mm -hmm. But, you know, to me, we risk throwing away all of our traditions at our peril. Mm -hmm. We do. I mean, it, it's... I don't see that there is harm in having King Charles and people say, well, colonialism. Mm -hmm. I don't, th we can, colonialism can be, we can talk about that. We can deal with it. I just think that getting rid of all of our traditions mm -hmm. and we, and there's a lot of traditions we're already starting to get rid of. You've just talked about some of them. We're taking down statues of people that, you know, in mm -hmm. this day, that, there are some things I think that have value to us holding on to. Well, the, the, the constitutional monarchy is baked into our constitution anyway. So it's, uh, it's here to stay. And, you know, people think you can throw it off. Like the Australians keep talking about it. Um, it is, it is a system that we're kind of lucky to have because it's solid. It's a rock solid foundation for what we have. The parliamentary system sort of relies on it. It does rely on it. It's a foundation and it's endured since 1066. So, um, 
I'm all in favor of it. It's it's something that stood up while other countries can just rewrite their constitutions. You can't rewrite the constitution. It doesn't doesn't fit uh, the, the structure that we have. So it's it's not necessarily the, the characters that make up that soap opera of the royal family is always interesting. You can read it in, you know, Vanity Fair and Chatelaine and all that. But it, it's it's the institution that is very important and it is a rock-solid one. And all the silly traditions and trappings that go with it are are important for this country and, and so many different aspects of our government and, and our system of federalism is dependent on it. And, you know, some people will say, well, I think King, I don't like King Charles, you know, whatever. Mm. To me, I, I always go back when things like this to, um, have you ever seen the, the miniseries Band of Brothers? Yes. Okay. And near the end of Band of Brothers, David Schwimmer, fr- Ross from Friends, is actually right. a bad guy in here. <laughs> a, he's sort of a villain. And at one point he doesn't salute Mm-hmm. The guy that he really doesn't like, who has risen past him in the ranks. Right. And as he walks by, the other guy says to him, you know, sergeant or whatever he is, you salute the rank, not the man. Mm-hmm. Right. It doesn't matter who the person is who's holding that position. You're actually respecting and honoring right. the, what, so whether you don't like King Charles personally, mm-hmm. it's like saying, well, I don't like Justin Trudeau. I don't like... Joe Biden, I don't like Donald Trump. It's fine, but it's the office yeah. that holds the respect, not the person in it. Right, and I believe the uh, members of the National Assembly in Quebec actually got away with with that. They they didn't want to pay their, you know, their oath of allegiance to Charles III, and they got away with it because it's Quebec and they can do that sort of thing. And it and nobody r- really raised a stink about it because it probably would have ended up to, with more of a discussion on the on the British monarchy. And I, I don't think people really have the desire to, to do that. Like, I can remember the last time the Queen came to, to Hamilton, all, all of a sudden we became this monarchist city. I, I couldn't believe how we turned overnight into this adoring throng of, of worshippers of the monarchy. And yeah. I remember I, I did a cartoon that was kind of insensitive, and I got, you know, raked over the coals for that and uh, it was shocking but now because there hasn't there hasn't been a visit for for years it's um you know we're just going with the flow ah you know we can take it we can leave it but you know it's who cares my nephew uh was five at the time and was the one who uh, in the argyles uniform who gave the flowers to the queen that day mm-hmm. still has the photo of that everyone one. has a nephew i yeah, had a nephew that gave uh, every, a, a yeah. bouquet of flowers to the queen in front of queen's park uh, yeah well it's many years um, ago. and why not right yeah. every nephew should what be giving honor. the flowers to the queen and what a great photo to have uh there you go uh and now today even if you didn't photoshop exactly you can just tell I do it all the time. you did you're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. As I say, Graham Mackay, the outstanding yes. editorial cartoonist of the Hamilton Spectator. And, I, you know, Graham, as self-deprecating a man as you will find, but he is the best at his job in Canada. And that is, uh, that is not just me saying that. I hear that all the time. There's we not are, many of us, though. I'll tell well, you that. Well, so I mean, look, small... Like there's legions of us. Well, <laughs> small group or not. There's um, maybe like seven of us left. <laughs> in you know the country? What? There's not a lot of viruses out there, and yet COVID <laughs> was like one of the biggest. You can say there is one of the biggest and best. I tell the kids when I see them, and they, they get all very wide-eyed, your chances of meeting a NHL player are far greater than meeting an editorial cartoonist. That's true. That's true. Yes. Your chances of meeting a mass murderer are far greater <laughs> yes, indeed. than meeting a Canadian editorial cartoonist. So, you know, not that you want to run into the ladder. And an NHL player, perhaps. 
Have you, by the way, have you ever, did you ever know anyone who has gone to prison for anything serious? I don't mean like, did you ever see them in court or did you ever learn about them? D do you know anybody who did anything that got themselves in, you don't even have to say the name, but who got themselves in all kinds of trouble? Yes. Okay. Me too. I was, <laughs> and I, 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 yeah. And, and every time this person's name comes up, which is seldom because it was a long time ago now, he was a young man when he did something atrocious. Mm -hmm. I always think how in the world did that happen? But anyway, I don't know how we got onto that. That was serial killers because I mentioned serial killers. <laughs> the guy that I'm talking about ended up as the, his story became a made for TV movie. It was so oh. outrageous. Do, are we going to name names? Well, or? he was the, he was the man who killed Timothy Eaton's great granddaughter. Ah, I've heard this story before. Yeah. So I went to school with him for a few years oh. and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's just a wild thing to know, so, to then just, you know, I mean, I, we, I cover the news, you cover the right. news. It's, so it's, but it's when it's, when you're involved, I mean, right. my next door neighbor or the neighbor across the street knows someone who killed someone here in town. Right. Well, that's, I, I was going to say, mur I don't know any murderers, but I know, I know of someone who was involved in white collar crime mm -hmm. and went to jail. Well, that's, you know, jail is jail. <laughs> yes. Jail exactly. is jail. Uh, not a pleasant place. Uh, who, by the way, uh, speaking of famous or infamous, I guess it could be either one right now, who is the best person to draw? And I'm, I mean, I, and I'm assuming it's going to be a celebrity or a politician or someone that people know who's, who's the one person that you love it when they can appear in a cartoon. I love drawing Doug Ford. I love drawing Justin Trudeau. I love drawing Pierre Polyev. I think Polyev is probably the best one right now because he's so fresh and he's, I'm starting, I'm getting to know what he looks like and it's, it's, you know, he's been around for many, many years, but he's got a very, if he ever becomes prime minister, and I'm not going to say if that's a good or bad thing, um, he'll be easy. He'll, he'll slide so what is in there it, what very do, what easily. Do you, so I always ask you this when we talk about, and I won't, we won't go through all of them. I always ask, so what's the thing that is the defining characteristic that you build his, him from Trudeau, mm -hmm. it's been a lot of things, but one of them is from the profile. Anyway, his nose and yours mm -hmm. has, and the length of the face has gotten larger and longer. Yes, his but, nose gets bigger and but, squishier. But Polyev, what's the defining um, cartoonist You know, feature? he's got his hair, like everyone talks about Justin's hair as being defining, but Polyev has that very distinct um, uh, part in his hair. Yes. It's just a straight line. Like, how does he get that? that white line. Lasers. So it's, it's gotta be like, and who does that anymore anyway? Like, I mean, it's sort of a throwback, but I, I guess other than that, his, his beady eyes and he's got very angry eyes, eyebrows. His eyebrows are very angry. If you ever notice, they're like on a slant. So whenever I draw angry people, whether, whoever it is, it's always on an inward slant and he has them constantly, but I guess he's known as an angry man anyway. So it goes with uh, his whole demeanor. Who do you hate to draw? Either because you don't like drawing them or because you know when you draw them, you're going to get a whole bunch of people screaming at you for drawing them because whatever. Women are very difficult to draw. Um, the new NDP leader, Merit Stiles, I've, I haven't drawn her yet. And I, it, she's going to be tricky because she kind of has a, a look of, of Andrew Horvath. And Andrew Horvath took forever to, to figure out. Um, so she's... I, I dread having to draw her. Well, because I, I'm guessing part of the reason is here is that any cartoon exaggerates some sort of physical feature yeah. that a person has. And I can't figure out what it is with her. 
Uh, well, and if and if and I would guess that with any female politician, if you exaggerate the wrong right. characteristic, you can get away with it with Doug Ford. Well, you could be you can get away with it with insulting. Justin Trudeau, right. but it seems meaner right. if you do it to a woman. Exactly, which which seems almost sexist to say that we would treat people differently, I, but we I, do. Well, if you're an equalist, it wouldn't matter. In which I, I like to tell my girls that's what I am. Uh, but you know, we had Kathleen Wynne. Kathleen Wynne was. We had no problem, you know, showing her with her Orville Redenbacher glasses <laughs> and her, you know, and and um, so she wasn't a problem. But you know, um, other other women are tricky. Like uh, I think Hillary Clinton was someone that people had a hard time drawing. Yeah. Uh, so I guess I don't know. It's 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 hard to explain without sounding offensive. <laughs> I guess. Well, no, but it, it's like it is interesting that we scream that everyone should be treated equally, but then if you do it equally, yeah. we don't like it quite so much when it's equally because it looks mean, as I say, or disrespectful no. or sexist or like, body shaming or this or that or well, whatever. You know, t we're accentuating certain features of the face. So, you know, women tend not to like that. I mean, if I draw Christian Freeland, like she could very well be prime minister. So I have to... I can't avoid her, and 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 so it's um, you know she's she's got certain features that stand out that um, we, you wouldn't necessarily worry about with a with a male. You know she's she's got a bit of a, a an eagle nose and deep set eyes, and um, she's got a widow's peak on with her hair, and. Um, you know, I, I've gotten flack for some of the drawings I've done of her. There, there was a time uh, here in Hamilton, probably two or three councils ago. Mm -hmm. I remember one cartoon you did, and I thought it was so brilliant because there were no faces, there were no bodies. It was just the council horseshoe, just the hair. <laughs> of each one, because every single counselor had yes. this entirely, immediately recognizable hair. You had Marula, which it yes. changed about oh, every two weeks. Yeah. Uh, and you had Judy Partridge with the Judy <laughs> Partridge hair. Yes. And you had Terry Whitehead, and you Terry, had all these oh, different yeah. people. Everyone yeah. immediately, you just, all it was was the hairdo, and you yeah. went, oh, I know who that is. I remember uh, Tony Valeri, remember the, the liberal cabinet yes. minister from Stony Creek, he, he changed his hairstyle. And that's that's a major thing that w when that happens, the rare time it happens, it becomes a big cartoon thing. So I remember I got like a full page thing on in the go section or whatever. And it was different hairstyles, better than what he had offered up. And it, that was kind of a funny thing. Does anyone now you say that, you know, you sometimes will get flack for people about how you portray them. But do the people ever say anything? Because there are some people mm -hmm. <laughs> who honestly... Uh, your depiction at times has been hilarious, but not always complimentary. Some of the Fred Eisenberger faces. Yes. He, he looked like a corpse. Yes. In some, I mean, do, does anyone ever say, come on, Graham, can you cut me a little slack and make me not look quite no, like I, this? Yeah, and, and I'd often, I think he, he sort of resented some of the drawings I'd, I would do of him. I know Stan Keyes was another one. Why do you make my, uh, my forehead so big? Or even Bob Bertino, why do you make my nose so big? You know, like, but I, I think they all understood that it went, it goes with being a politician. And it doesn't matter if you're prime minister or, or a, a little counselor. Um, I don't do very many local cartoons now, so I don't know what their hairstyles look like. Yeah. And it's it's to their detriment. But, um, you know, if um, 
you know, if you're not going to talk to the newspaper, then I'm not going to be drawn. Yeah. So do uh, do any of them ever though? Flip side, do any ever call you up and say, "Can I have that cartoon?" Uh, yes. The original. Sure. Really. I've had that. Yeah. And um, I don't know how to feel about that because um, I, I don't think it's the job of the cartoonist to be friends with uh, with politicians until they retire. I'm I'm happy to talk, but I I don't like to have have associations with sitting politicians. But um, have most of the ones who have ever asked you, when you look then at the cartoon, do you then question, was I too soft on this person? Maybe. Or, or are there times when you go, why would you want this one? I shredded you. Yeah. Well, it, it, it certainly says something about their personality if they're going to go for like an ugly depiction of them, but some of them do. <laughs> Get it off the street. <laughs> like, or maybe that's it. I, I think some some famous politicians are guilty of doing that. They bought bought up all the the horrible renderings that have been made of them. And when, uh, have you ever, and, and you know, I just thought of this, have you ever, we were talking in the break just before we came back on here about the art gallery of Hamilton. Have you ever had a showing of cartoons? Yes. Like, like an art gallery yeah. type showing. Yeah, at the art gallery. You in have. In 2010, I hosted a editorial cartoon exhibit in there. It's a sort of a public gallery. I forget what they call it, but it's near the front entrance of the museum. And we had it wasn't just my stuff. It was cartoonists from across the country. And then we had a reception. It was in the same time as I hosted a convention of editorial cartoonists here. So we were able to have a nice reception. And then the public came out and met some of these cartoonists. And yeah, so I, I have had an exhibit, but it was with much more famous people than me. Well, if um, if the folks at the Art Gallery of Hamilton are listening. Yes. Shelley, Shelley, if you're listening, <laughs> uh, here's an idea. You know what? Local okay. artists, great stuff. We should, there should be a, an exhibit. I'm telling you. I, I'd be happy to. There you go. There's, a, you know, there's a bunch of people in this city who have, who are amazing artists. Yes. There really are. And, oh, for um, sure. yeah. And I, I know they do local, local shows, but, uh, uh, there, you. there was a show actually recently by Joe Olman, who is a great graphic artist who lives just around the corner from me. Strangely, we have a lot of, in, in that little area off Aberdeen, there's a lot of artists, and uh, this is serious. Was was what it was called, and I I had a, a few cartoons in that, and that was a great local um, exhibit of of uh, Hamilton cartoonists and a few from outside, but that was a good one too from about five years ago. Were you um, were you watching the Starship? Go off the yesterday or the day before the SpaceX? I I saw the explosion. Yes, <laughs> and I. J I always wonder when these things happen or even when they don't explode, just even with the, um, what's the name of the, I can't even think now the name of the one. SpaceX. Well, no, but this is SpaceX, but the one where they're going to send people to the moon. I can't remember the name of the, like the Saturn or uh, a, a Mercury. Anyway. The new one. I don't um, I'll think of it in a second. I always think, I wonder if there's the same fascination with space as there once was. It like was in the 60s? Well, it's never going to be the same as it was in the 60s, I don't think. No. Because that was a first. It's always the, you know, but I mean, do you look at when these rockets go off and get excited about this kind of thing or is it a ho-hum? Oh, no, I get very excited. Oh, yeah? uh, and, you know, I, I kind of thought, well, why are they all clapping with this SpaceX thing blowing up? But I guess this is exactly what happened back in the 60s or the 50s as they are leading up to the Apollo mission, the Saturn mission. You got to destroy a lot of rockets before you can actually get the thing going. And this thing is massive. It's like, it's like a skyscraper. They said, uh, as I'm just reading this thing, if as promised, let me just read one line here. This is from the BBC. If as promised, 
SpaceX went to 90% thrust on Thursday. I think it blew up before it got to there. Mm -hmm. The stage should have delivered something close to 70 mega newtons. That's double the thrust put out by the Saturn V rocket that sent men to the moon in the 60s mm -hmm. and 70s. Amazing. And uh, I guess it, it uh, uh, basically destroyed the launch pad. The force of the, <laughs> the, not the explosion, the force of just taking off. Oh, really? Destroyed all the concrete at the, mm. at, anyway. Um, I, I, you know who I thought of when I saw this yesterday? And again, I don't follow every takeoff of every rocket closely. Mm -hmm. All I could think of is, you know, there are astronauts watching this right now going, oh, wait, am I on the next flight? <laughs> am I scheduled to go off? I, I, I think there may be some astronauts who are like, yeah, you know what? I wonder if Walmart is hiring. I don't yeah. need to be the guy at the tippy top of that next rocket ship when that one went so right. well. And we just named a Canadian that's going to go yes. up and orbit the moon, right? And is yes. it is it on the same kind of No. No, it's a different. It won't be it won't be the same. So it's not the uh it's not this rocket, but are they not contracting out um Elon's? Oh company? yeah, no, they're I believe they are involved. Uh-huh. Um but no, it's, uh, the Artemis is the, Artemis. the one that is so different thing altogether. Mm. Um, but no, regardless, I mean, regardless, if, if you are an astronaut who is waiting, whether it's him or anyone else, uh, I'm not sure I love watching rockets blow up no. when they take off. That That's, that's going to make you a little weak in the knees, I think. Well, I think even with the space shell program after Challenger blew up yep. and then, uh, was it Discovery that blew up or in, I forget, Discovery, I think. I think so. Boy, they tell you how, how. Oh man, I yeah. think. Did Columbia blow up or was it Chall Challenger blew up? Yeah. Challenger. Well, I mean, uh, I think that's one of the reasons they, they even canceled the program or they, they cut it short because they kept blowing up. Uh, there was risk. I mean, there, there is risk. And, and, you know, that, that is one of the things I think in a weird way that this blow up of this SpaceX, um, whatever they call it, what do they call it? Starship. Mm hmm is probably going to, in a, in a perverse way, draw more attention to when that Artemis rocket goes off. Mm -hmm. Not that people want to see anybody blow up. Right. I don't mean that for a second. I don't think there's any, I don't think there's anybody, I hope there's nobody out there who goes, oh man, I hope that one explodes with the ash. <laughs> no. I hope there's not a soul who would think that, but I think this is a very visceral reminder that what you're doing really is strapping yourself to a missile mm -hmm. on hundreds of thousands of gallons of explosive fuel right. and shooting yourself off on a bullet. I mean, it's, it's, it's it never it's, becomes commonplace. It's not just this program. It's that tourism thing that, um, remember they sent those, um. Yes. William those, Shatner. Th yeah. Up in that phallic looking rocket. <laughs> that was rather. <laughs> and so I think we're entering a, a very fascinating world actually of space. I don't know if it's the space exploration because we've already done all this stuff. I mean, the Mars thing, I think will be an exciting thing if they actually get out to do that. But I, you know, I'll, I'll certainly have my eyes glued when they do circle around the moon with our Canadian guy. Uh, but when they land on it, that will be fascinating. I think that'll be great. Stuff. Well, it will uh, uh, largely, I think, because first of all, it'll be an entire generation that never mm -hmm. had that experience. But two, you know, you watch that Neil Armstrong film mm -hmm. and, you know, we were talking in the first hour about security video cameras, although it's still better than the security cameras at most stores, but you don't see much. It's no. very, yeah, it's, it's from the moon. Right. With old technology, with old of, technology. Of filming. 
this time when they touch down on the moon, yeah. it will probably be in 8K. Yeah. And it will be, you'll be able to zoom in on your computer and see like each right. particle of dust on the surface. Like, right. It'll be amazing well, you, to you, see what you, you can see. You get that with those unmanned sh ships or uh, rovers or whatever that are crawling around Mars or uh, I guess have they done any on the moon? But these high resolution yeah. graphics and, and it just looks like you're in the Arizona desert when you're looking through, but it's a different planet. It's yeah, amazing. It is amazing. But yes, I, I think that this will, in a very weird way is going to bring even more attention to the Artemis program just because it's a reminder that the people who are jumping on that rocket are, mm. they are still incredibly brave to do this because no, there's no such thing as a mm. risk-free moonshot mm -hmm. or space shot period. Right. You know, so Gray Mackay, by the way, not only the editorial cartoonist of the Hamilton Spectator, an avid golf course dog walker in the <laughs> off season, takes his dog and, you know, when the courses are closed and no one's playing and they're open for whatever, uh, you are someone who has used them for your dog. And this is something that's, the reason I bring it up is because this is something that has come up again in discussions at city council and mm -hmm. elsewhere. Should the city be involved in the golf course business? And the two extreme, the two, the two possible answers, one is yes because golf is an expensive sport and this way people who don't have a ton of money can play mm -hmm. for a lot less than they would at another place. Uh, and no, no, all the golfers are elitists and we should have these hundreds of acres or hectares or whatever for mm -hmm. pollination plans and people walking their dogs and all this. What, what do you think about the idea of the city well, and golf courses? I'm familiar with Shadok. I'm not so familiar with King's Forest, uh, but... Um, it is really a, a beautiful uh, course. Um, it, it's it's not an elite course, from what I know. It's a municipal course, so yes. you get a lot of. It's not for rich people, and I think some some of the elites kind of complain about that and won't won't play there because it's not rich enough for them. So I, I know that, but yes, you're correct. I do live by, and we use the uh, radio trail nearby, and in the off season, I let Penny go and run and. and in the golf course, and it's she loves it, and I see other dogs that do it. We have to be responsible because I know we get flack for letting our dogs drop their business on the course. But on the fourth tee. Little do people know that there are millions of geese that do the same yes. thing, and no one complains about them. Um, but it is – I sort of compare myself, if you want to go back to my monarchy kind of fascination, I feel like King Henry VIII walking in in – in his shire with my dog in the dead of February when there's no snow on the ground. It is, there's not a single person out there. And why not? I mean, it should sort of be opened up to people to, to go and, 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 and just discover for themselves because it's a beautiful plot of land. Yeah. And the one thing that always irks me when this discussion comes up is inevitably, and you've used the word already, I've used the word already, there are some who will immediately say, oh, golf is for the elites. Mm. And so we got to get rid of the course because we have to get rid of only the elite use it. We have mm. to, you know, <clears throat> I mean, you can argue, I think you could make an argument that, well, not everyone rides a bike, mm -hmm. you know, and for whatever reason. Whether it's because it's elite, you know, for mm -hmm. some people, expensive bikes, you know, whatever. But we, we have decided that we want to have bike lanes, even though not everyone uses a bike lane. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of things in this city mm -hmm. that we do to provide a service or a venue for people we have at our skating rinks. We have open skate or, right. or a dollar skate or something like we'd, so to me, if, if Shadok especially, if it was a hoity-toity thing where the executives came, it's the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. 
You know, uh, that well, the, the thing about uh, Shidoka also doubles as a winter park, really. I mean, yes. they used to have the, the ski, ski hill. hill there, but now it's you go there on a weekend in the wintertime or even like when we have a lot of snow, it's a great place to go to Bogna. I, I went there when I was a kid. But that would be the argument for those who say we should have this all year, that it's no golf, that we just, we have a pollination area, we have a dog park area, we have, mm-hmm. you know, a splash pad somewhere perhaps mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, Well, we got that in with Gage Park. We've got other parks. It's just, I, I think... You can you can do something. Talk to the council. Maybe they can arrange something, and, and maybe just have it as a golf course. But but find out ways where you don't have to like you know dig areas up and and add a lot of foundations for stuff. Just leave it as a nice open area for for people to to enjoy and love. And we kind of have that anyway right now with the trail going through and everything like that. I mean, I'm, I'm up there every other day and, uh, and, and everyone sort of mixes well. As well, far as I know. I'll let me throw out a really, uh, one that I wrote a while back when, when, oh, yes, I remember in, in, well, in the middle of COVID, when we were looking yeah. at a massive, um, property tax increase, massive, because until the province came through with grants, the city was looking at, you know, such an extraordinary debt and you're not allowed to run a debt as a deficit as a city. Mm-hmm. And at the time I said, look, if you have to, as a last resort, as a last resort to keep people from losing their homes to their taxes, sell it off and develop it. Now, I know people lost their minds, but in a city that doesn't have nearly enough housing, if we're going to shut it down, do you shut it down and make it into just a green space or do you develop part of it and put a few... Then, then you sound a little bit like Doug Ford, Scott. I hate to say that. Well, it's no, sort of a green belt area of, of Hamilton. Sure so if you open that up... You look, there's plenty of brownfield places that they can they can develop, or they could build like high towers, which they do, and everyone complains about that. The same people complain about the. Green oh, I'm not. I'm not suggesting necessarily that you cover the whole thing with houses, but mm-hmm. again, if you put a couple giant apartment buildings on one of the, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's 36 holes there. If you said, all right, we're going to get rid of, I mean, one of the one of the, I won't say, well, I won't say what I was going to say. We had a letter to the editor, I believe, or a column or something in the Spectator a while back, with someone saying. Why not just make it 12 holes? That's sufficient. And it's like, wait a second. You do understand that golf is an 18-hole game. That's like saying we're going to make – Tim Hortons feel we want to have room for some people, so we're going to cut it to 70 yards. <laughs> like you just – you can't. That's not how that works, but – Well, there are – you have the Beto and you have the Martin field, oh. right? As far as – I've only played there a few times. I'm ashamed to say, but um, you could actually develop part, maybe one of them. I don't know which side, but um, probably the one that's furthest away from my neighborhood. But uh. I just, yeah, I, I, it, to me, again, it, it comes to the idea that I just, I hate that somehow every time this discussion comes up, the idea is only rich, elite, no, exclusive crazy. people play golf. And if you play golf, you're clearly from the, uh, you know, the she-she set. <laughs> and that's just, it's so far no, from the truth. And, and to me... The idea of this whole thing is to make it accessible to other people. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to say we as a city don't want to make things accessible to people because, you know, then you should charge way more for use of swimming pools and way more for hockey rinks and way more for everything, mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. I don't think we want to do that. No. Uh, our, our property taxes are going way, way up into the high levels anyway right now. So, um, you know... I, I th- what I know from council is that they're 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 trying to come up with some. I don't think there's a groundswell for for this kind of development anyway. So 
Um, we'll see what happens. Um, I, d- I don't know fully why we're doing this, but um, hey, we'll, we'll, well, we'll see. Honestly, I think it's because it's cheap political points a lot of the time. It's an yeah. easy one. It's yeah. an easy one. Oh, let's, let's get rid of golf because golf is only for rich white guys. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's just, to me, it's just too easy. But anyway, Graham, I just wanted to ask you about this because I thought this story, now we should have given a lot more time because I think this is one that people will have opinions on, but a, um, a, a plus size woman in the States has raised a stink this week because she says, uh, airline seats are not large enough for she and her husband and they should have to, by law, Mm. provide seats that will accommodate their, their size. Mm. At the same price. What do you think about that idea? Without body shaming, uh, I can understand they've got issues. But, hey, if you watch 600-pound life, right? My <laughs> 600-pound life, you know, yes. they, they buy two tickets, or, you know, and they, they accommodate two seats if they're overlap. Um, and and that, that's sort of the price that comes with being that size, unfortunately. Should, there, should the airline have to accommodate them? Well, I suppose they do it with handicapped people, don't they? But uh, to some degree, I don't know that there's a, like they would put the, the disabled people in the front row so they have the extra room or something. But uh, I mean, my, my argument to this always is, you know, I, I, I'm not body shaming you. I'm not fat shaming you. I'm not saying, you know, whatever those things are. But as someone who is almost six foot five, I can tell you when I get onto a plane, there is no leg room. Mm. And... If we're going to say, well, seats now have to be accommodated, made larger for wider people, should the seats not also accommodate longer people? So I should be able to say, well, I want more legroom, but that never would fly. Like nobody would ever say, they would get over yourself. Like just right. check in early and get one of the bulkhead seats or something like that. I just. It's a, it's a tricky issue. Um, well, and, and it's also tricky because the airlines would lose revenue from this, which yeah. means they're not going to just take the loss. Right. Prices of all the tickets then are going to go up. Right. So you and I and everyone else are going to pay. Well, I, I, it's also a, a problem because the, the, the seats keep shrinking and shrinking. That too. So that our air ticket, our airline tickets are cheaper. That's the, that's the flip side of this where I look at her, I her look at her argument and I say, well, on that point, I would agree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we went back to the seats that were the size they were in 1980, we're probably part way to solving the problem. You may still be too large for the seat, yeah. but we're also not then shrinking them so much that we're making it impossible for people. Mm-hmm. But Well, there's also the, you could also get a, f- a first class seat, I guess, but a lot of the planes domestically don't have those sort of wide bodied. Well, no. And, and have you bought a first class? Have you looked up how much uh, we bought? Yeah, they're, they're ridiculous. Yeah. I, I, I just, I don't know that there is a proper answer to this one. I don't know that there is a proper answer to this one because if you say no, you sound inconsiderate and rude and like you're body shaming someone. But if you say yes, again, everyone's ticket prices go up and other people are going to say, well, why can't I have a larger seat then? Mm-hmm. Even though I'm not large, what, why should I not? Or, or some other thing. I'm, I am diabetic. I need to eat every whatever hours. You must serve me a, a meal. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I imagine some airlines can be imaginate. They could use their imagination and actually monetize this kind of thing if they really want to and become the airline that accommodates people with these sort of needs and 
perhaps that could be a good thing, but that's thinking out of the box, which doesn't happen very much in the airline industry this day. Well, and, and yeah, and what happens when those seats are filled then mm-hmm. and someone else then books? I mean, it's, it's, this, is, this is one of those arguments that I, I honestly, I don't think it's ever going to go away. Mm-hmm. I just don't know that they're ever going to find a solution to this that's going to satisfy people. No, airline travel is not a pleasant thing to begin with. So we all are in the same kind of misery. Uh, no, it, it really isn't. And I'm, uh, I'm actually going on a plane next week, mm. flying out for a, uh, a few days for my daughter's graduation. And uh, I'll tell you right now, all I am hoping, I keep looking at my phone, watching, hoping the phone doesn't ding with an email saying flight canceled. Yeah. That yeah, happened to me. Last, one of the last times I was doing it, I was, I talked about this the other day. I was in the, I was at the gate and I got the thing saying your flight was canceled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I was watching something on somewhere else the other day or listening to someone who said that they, you know, they canceled because they couldn't find a crew. How do you not have uh, a crew? Right. Or I, I remember the, the flight to Moncton from Hamilton, there was no crew on the ground in Moncton. So they had to fly back to Hamilton. That was a few months ago, but uh, I, I think it all has to do with the carrier. If you're in one of these low uh, this discount uh, carriers, you're, you're sort of upping your chances that things are going to be moved around. But if you go with one of the traditional, you know, legacy flyers, you're going to have better luck. At least that's what I've had. I'm, well, I mean, for this one, um, my private personal jet was not available. <laughs> So I, you know, I had to just go with the, uh, the usual. So we'll uh, see. Well, bon voyage. Yeah. Uh, by the way, you had a, uh, a shout out you had to deliver. I do. I have a shout out to my two daughters. I, one of my daughters, uh, Jillian is returning back from Guelph University today. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to a great summer with you, Jillian. And my <laughs> other daughter, uh, Jackie accepted Carlton University in the School of Journalism. Wow. Scott Radley. What do you have to say to that? I is think that, that is outstanding. I mean, you know, it, it really, all the really brilliant people go to Ryerson. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Carlton's okay. Carlton. I'm just, I'm kidding. Carlton is a great school. And you know what? It's uh, good for her for getting in because he's. The, it's a tough program to get in. It's a for tough sure. program. So it good is. for her. Thank you. To be a journalist or an editorial cartoonist? Uh, maybe a little bit of both. Uh, no, that actually. That would be a first. <laughs> since, since Ripley, that would be a first. <laughs> That could, that could work. But I'll tell you this, I, I, there's many other things other than journalism that she can go into with, with that degree. So I'm trying to encourage her. That. She will, uh, yeah, she will get her degree. She will go into, uh, public sector communications and make three times as much as us. Yes. And, uh, and it'll all be good. So, yeah. you know. So congratulations, Congratulations Jackie. to Jackie, yes. Graham, thanks for coming in and doing this today. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thank you, Scott. Uh, you can see Graham's stuff in the spec all the time. You can go online and usually find it on Twitter or sometimes on Facebook through the spec, whatever. But uh, be sure you keep up with, uh, with Graham's cartooning. It is the preeminent editorial cartooning in Canada. And I, I say that not because he's sitting here. I tell people that even when he's not <laughs> sitting here. You do. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.